actually chapter 27 and 28. Israel is on the verge of entering the promised land. And when they enter the promised land, they're going to come immediately into a natural amphitheater setting. You're going to have Mount Ebal on one side and Mount Gerizim on the other. And on top of these two mountains, there's going to be the tribes of Israel. And on top of Ebal, uh, six tribes are going to be pronouncing curses upon Israel if they're not obedient to the Lord. And on Gerizim, there's going to be six tribes that pronounce the blessings here again, if there is obedience. Ebal has curses coming forth from God for sinful behavior. And the first curse that is pronounced upon Israel is that of making idols. Making anything carved or making anything of a molded image uh, that people would want to worship or consider, you know, uh, uh, holy or whatever. Idols are a personal affront to God. That's why he talks about them in his Ten Commandments. That's why he mentions them so often. God calls idols a personal abomination to him. And on top of Ebal, these curses are recited. Not only the idols, but there's curses about if you're disobedient to your parents. My mother used to love to quote that one. <laughs> uh, you were not to move landmarks either. You weren't to move your neighbor's fence or the landmarks that separated your property from his. And Here's one that I find interesting. You were not to mislead a blind or a handicapped person. Well, who would do that? <laughs> I mean, come on. You're going to mislead a blind or a handicapped person? Uh, and you were never to pervert justice. Adultery or incest within a family was an absolute no-no. There was no attacking your neighbor if he happened to be weak or whatever. And there was no taking of bribes. And you were cursed if you did not listen to the law or confirm the words of the law within your family. And these curses were pronounced upon Israel from atop of Mount Ebal in a loud voice. And then in chapter 28, we come to the blessing side. I love the fairness of God. He doesn't talk about curses without talking about blessings also. So let me read the first three verses of chapter 28 of Deuteronomy. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. 
Israel was to diligently obey and observe God's commands. And notice how God will then bless them. God declares he will set his people high above all the nations of the earth. That's interesting because America was founded upon uh, Christian principles by Christian men. And as a nation and a people, we have enjoyed God's blessings and being set above and higher than all the nations of the earth. But America is changing. And unfortunately, the changes I see are not all for the better. I believe as Christians we will begin to suffer the curses proclaimed by God from Mount Ebal. Now, I don't want to sound like a doom and gloomer, whatever a doom and gloomer sounds like, but I don't want to be one. But look around us. As Christians, we're witnessing laws being passed that sanction sinful behavior. There's no doubt in my mind that America is in a post-Christian era. And that's sad. We see that church attendance, regular church attendance is down uh, from what it has been in the past. And uh, we're seeing things that come forth from our society that we wouldn't even have thought about a hundred years or 50 years ago. They would have never even been considered. But today we have same-sex marriage laws. By the way, that's an abomination to God. We harvest baby organs that have been aborted. And that is so barbaric, so revolting, but it remains big business funded by our government, funded by your tax dollars. And that's atrocious. But let me draw your attention to verse 2. Obedience brings blessings that shall come upon you, and I like this, and overtake you. You can't stop God from blessing you if you're obedient to him. Have you ever been zapped by a blessing? <laughs> Out of the blue, something good comes upon you. <laughs> you're called into the human resources office, and they have a large check for you. They've been withholding too much income tax, and, and they want to give you some money back. Recently, you've got to be a golfer to appreciate this one, I guess. I was out with some fellows in golfing, and we were playing this par three hole. And one of the guys hit a good shot, but it was an elevated green, so you couldn't see where the ball went or landed. We get up to the green, and we're looking around for his ball, and we can't find it. And somebody said, well, look in the hole. It was a hole in one. And everybody celebrates. <laughs> For that golfer, that was a blessing. Let me, let, I can just tell you. Uh, you go to your doctor. You've got a stubborn cough that won't seem to go away. And you're becoming more and more concerned about it. And you discover it's only a virus. 
a blessing. <laughs> you have children. They give you grandchildren. And they name them after you. Now, I'm speaking hypothetically. I don't have one grandchild named Don. But I would like that. <laughs> but good things can sometimes overtake us. And it's God's way of blessing us without even asking for it. Just God's good nature towards us. Lori and I lived out in the country most of our married life. Well, 25 of the 30, we've lived out in the country. For me, that has been a great blessing. I love the outdoors, and I love living in the country. Just a little blessing from God, and I appreciate it. But sometimes we need to prepare ourselves or be prepared by God to receive a blessing. So let's back up to chapter 27 and read the first 10 verses of chapter 27. We're doing a reverse Bible study here this morning. We're going back. Chapter 27, verses 1 through 10. Then Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of this law, which uh, when you cross over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your fathers promised you. Therefore it shall be, when you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God, and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings, and you shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of the law. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. So there was a milestone there. That day they became God's people. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. The first thing Israel is to do upon entering Canaan is to build an altar for worship. This altar is to be constructed from uncut stones, and then they're to be whitewashed with lime. Whenever Israel would build altars in the wilderness, they were always to use uncut stones. Because with man, there's always seems to be a temptation to focus on the altar versus the sacrifice of the altar. But we wouldn't do that in Christianity, would we? 
Well, maybe. Take the symbol of the cross. Much attention is given to the cross in Christian circles. Even other people that are secular, who are not Christians, wear the cross and observe the cross. And the sacrifice of Jesus upon that cross is often pushed aside or overlooked. We have three crosses out at the end of our street that greet you as you drive up Teresa Drive. We hope those remind you of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Now, I'm not wanting to condemn anyone, but most Christians have a necklace with a cross. A little golden cross, usually. In many of our homes, we put crosses on our walls. We, we think a cross is a good thing to have, and, and it is, if, it, if it's there for the right reasons. I'm not condemning that. And, you know, it, if it's there to remind us, then that's good. But the rock star Madonna also wears a cross. And she prays before her concerts. And then she proceeds to go out and act very lewdly. Is lewdly a word? I don't know. She, she proceeds to act lewd in her concerts. But she wears a cross and she prays. We have rappers who wear giant golden crosses and then they sing their disgusting lyrics. As believers, we are to let the cross be a reminder of Christ's suffering for our salvation. These uncut stones that Israel gathers and builds an altar, they're to be whitewashed and the law was to be written on these stones. But upon this altar of these stones, burnt offerings were offered, sin offerings were offered, uh, sacrifice and peace offerings were there also, and the people would gather near the altar to worship. They would enjoy a meal and they would worship a place of rejoicing before the Lord. At these altars, they usually had a time where you would rededicate your heart and life to God. I thought that was interesting. Communion, when we partake of communion, it can be and should be a time of rededicating ourselves to God. Reaffirming our faith in God. Partaking of the elements. It's a good thing. Verse 9, we read, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. They've become the people of God as they enter into Canaan there at this altar, this monument, and it's memorial for Israel to remember their God. The burnt offering, as described in Leviticus 1, was also a sober dedication of myself to 
God. The peace offering was a joyful celebration in the eating and worshiping before God. These offerings of worship and dedication, they were a vital part of Israel's belief and faith. So today, I think it's vital for us to partake of communion. We don't do communion too often on Sunday mornings, as you well know. <laughs> we try to do it once a month on Wednesday evening. I like communion to be done in a joyful way. Of course, we're remembering the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us to have communion with him and the Father. But it's an ordained time. It's one of the sacraments of the church. Uh, God wanting us to have personal fellowship with Him. In some churches, it's a confirmation of their faith. And I kind of like that. And Jesus said in our reading this morning that we read, Do this, partake of communion, in remembrance of me. Don't forget to do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to have communion. We're going to have Nielsa's Christmas kids come in and join us. <laughs> I think communion uh, should be open to anybody that really understands the meaning of it. So I don't try to tell a child you can or cannot have communion. Uh, I think it's a beautiful thing for all believers to have communion. So, what we're going to do as soon as uh, we're going to have our men come forward, we're going to have the worship team come back up, we're going to do some songs, hold your communion elements, and we'll partake together. We'll pray over them and we'll partake together. So,